0: Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The White House continues to feel the heat over the border surge, and the DHS Secretary spent all week testifying before Congress, selling a plan for the expected illegal immigration influx. However, there is still skepticism among congressional Democrats. Today, President Biden spoke with Mexico's president. Here's NTD's Molina Wisecup with the latest.
1: Anticipating a surge in illegal immigration this summer, President Biden today spoke with Mexico's president. President Biden did not make any new requests of Mexico. The administration's approach to immigration so far is to tackle what they call the root causes by investing in Central America's economic development. In a stark contrast to the previous administration's approach, President Biden did not attempt to pressure Mexico's president to ramp up his own security at the border. But it was meant- to be a constructive call. It was not meant to deliver a threatening message. That is my understanding of what took place." And following that video call, the White House today confirmed that Biden has no plans to visit the southern border. Even as the administration plans to lift Title 42, a public health policy that allows migrants to be expelled immediately. Lifting Title 42 is on hold for now via a court order. But after it's lifted, the DHS is bracing itself for 12 to 18,000 crossings per day
0: and we will address this challenge successfully.
1: But despite hours of trying to sell his plan to Congress this week, skepticism lingers, even among Democrats.
0: No person who cares about migrants should want them. It's clear to me that the federal government is not prepared,
1: not even close. Senator Mark Kelly specifically says, quote, there's having things on a piece of paper, and then what is going on at the southern border, and there is a huge disconnect. The White House today was pressed on when this plan can be seen in action. Here's the exchange. It ...doesn't exist so that there's actual proof that it's taking place. Well, the Title 42 lifts on May 23rd. We haven't seen uh, you know, the impacts of the lifting surges because it hasn't happened yet. And the White House says the only real solution here is immigration reform and has called on Congress to pass an immigration reform bill. Now, this is the same messaging that we heard from Secretary Mayorkas this week. He's pinning the responsibility on Congress to take action here. And there has been a bipartisan group of senators working on an immigration reform bill. But those negotiation talks have dragged on over the past year. And now it's looking like... Conflicts around Title 42 is throwing a wrench in that process and slowing it down a bit. Specifically, one top Republican involved in those negotiation talks, Senator Cornyn, says, quote, Until we deal with the Title 42 issue, it's not going to be possible to move forward on other things that we agree on. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Wisecup, NTD News.
0: Congressman Bob Good has been to the southern border four times. He had a chance to see firsthand who's coming in, how they make their way into the country, and what this means for national security. I spoke with the Congressman earlier. Congressman Bob Good, thank you for joining us on the Capitol Report.
2: Great to be with you, Steve. Thanks for having me again.
0: Absolutely. Congressman, you were just on the House floor where you were speaking about the uh, border crisis. You said that the current administration's policies are welcoming illegal immigration.
2: What did you mean by that? All of the resources this administration is committing to the border is, in, is intended to facilitate an increased invasion at our southern border. They're doing nothing to prevent the crossings. They are doing everything they can to increase it, to facilitate it, to enhance it, trying to hide it from the American people as quickly as they can. The only concern they seem to have is the PR uh, disaster of the American people seeing what's happening at the border. So all their efforts are to trying to process as quickly as they can, as many illegals as they can while they have power. Congressman, you mentioned that there's potentially, I think, over 40 uh,
0: people on the, on the FBI's terror watch list that have been apprehended on the so that's that's really
2: unfathomable uh, can you tell us about that yes with the 2.4 million illegal crossings that were encountered by our, our border patrol and frankly most of those released into the country 42 of those had known terrorist ties and the point that I was making was what about the 700,000 criminal gotaways those who are evading apprehension evading capture think about how generous our policies are we take you into our custody we fly or bus you wherever you want to go we give you your free phone we give you a free social service Services, free health care, free education. And we take you in, connect you to an NGO to take care of you. Most are surrendering into our custody. Who are those that don't want to surrender, the ones who are evading capture? They're the ones, I've seen it when I've been on the border four times, they're wearing the carpet shoes, they're dressed in camo head to toe because they have criminal ties, they have terrorist ties, uh, they're trafficking drugs, they're trafficking children, human trafficking, sex trafficking, you name it. Uh, but how many with terrorist ties among the 700,000 that we didn't apprehend, no one knows. And it's really incredible. This week, we just this uh, Homeland Security Director acknowledged he doesn't even know where the 42 are. He couldn't even tell us where the 42 are that they know had terrorist ties that were among the 2.4 million apprehensions.
0: I mean, I think a lot of times when people think of the problem on the southern border, they think of Mexico, maybe some South American countries, but do you think that these policies are kind of triggering people in some of these known countries that have, uh, you know, that are terrorist hotbeds to to make their way here because they see it as a a good opportunity?
2: They're coming from 160 different countries. I just came from a border caucus hearing where we had the new uh, border patrol uh, chief, uh, Chief Magnus, and we asked him about, hey, because everything that he talks about, or Mayorkas talks about, or uh, Vice President Harris talks about, is trying to deal with the root causes in other countries, and I asked him, can America fix everything among the other 200 or so countries of the world, the 7 billion people who don't live in this country, and fix things there so that people don't want to come to America? Is that even possible to do? Setting aside whether or not it's our responsibility or we should commit resources to doing that, but their stated policy to the conclusion how could we ever effectively do what they say their priority is. Congressman this truly sounds like a national security issue. Is the intel community briefing uh, Congress or the White House on this? Well we do get uh, superficial briefings if you will but we don't get answers to the most basic questions. When you you just watched what the uh, j- oversight was doing with uh, Mayorkas this week and uh, judiciary oversight hearings they're getting questions of oh I'll get back to you on that. They seem to always have the information to make the point they want to make, but when you ask for tough questions with tough answers they don't want to give, they never seem to have the data.
0: Terrorism, drugs are obviously hot-button issues that, you know, highlight the crisis on the border. What do you think the long-term impacts on our country when tens of thousands of economic migrants make their way in here gradually.
2: Untold damage has already been done. I said this uh, uh, this morning in that hearing, this budget hearing that we had with this uh, excuse me, this committee hearing we had with the, uh, the chief, the, uh, the chief of the Border Patrol. I said, hey, we've allowed some three million to come into this country in the first uh, 15 months or so of this administration. If we secured the border now Only the weeks, months, and years ahead will tell the untold harm that's been done, the irreparable harm that's been done in our country. Again, not only with the economic harm and the healthcare harm and the education and social systems harm, that we're trying to bear the brunt of all these illegals coming into our country, but also, again, those with the criminal ties, the terrorist ties. It's as if the Mexican crime cartels designed our border policies. They couldn't have designed a better policy if they designed it themselves. We are basically facilitating them to make hundreds of millions of profits. Every month, off the trafficking of thousands and thousands across our border every month. Congressman Bob Good, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Great to be with you.
0: The FDA is signaling that they may authorize COVID 19 vaccines for children as young as six months old by June. Both Moderna and Pfizer have applied for emergency use authorizations for their vaccines on children from six months to five years old. The FDA said it plans to convene its advisory panel on vaccines to consider whether to extend these emergency authorizations. A spokesperson for the agency told the Epoch Times that when the FDA consults the advisory panel it will wait to hear from them first before greenlighting or rejecting applications with the FDA getting set to approve these vaccinations for young children. And Dr. Fauci stating we're at the end of the pandemic. This might leave some wondering where we are in the overall state of the pandemic. Dr. Peter McCullough is an internist and cardiologist, and we're happy to have him on to discuss. Dr. Peter McCullough, thank you so much for joining us in the Capitol Report.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Doctor, the FDA is indicating that vaccines for children as young as six months old could be approved as early as June. How susceptible are these babies to the virus and are there any studies that you've been monitoring that you think the uh, public should know about?
3: We've heard reports recently from the CDC that uh, roughly 75% of children have already had COVID. So for them, it's too late for any hope of a vaccine. Uh, but the vaccine can't help once somebody's already had COVID. Now, for those who are still susceptible, uh, COVID-19, through its progression of mutations, has be- become progressively more mild. And uh, now with the Omicron variant, we have outcomes data, ages 5 to 11, that we can extend down to older uh, age groups. And the papers by Dora Bewilla and colleagues from New York State, over a couple hundred thousand children, age 5 to 11, virtually no clinical benefit no vaccine efficacy. All the vaccine efficacy was less than 25% in that study. Remember, if a vaccine doesn't have at least 50% coverage, it's considered non-viable. So I think for children that age, it's a non-starter. The vaccines simply don't have a clinical indication. And even when we looked at it, uh, it looks like they don't work.
0: Dr. McCullough, uh, Dr. Fauci recently announced that the pandemic was ending and has since backtracked a bit. What's to make of this uh, on again, off again?
3: You know, we're very disappointed with the lack of consistent messaging. Remember the emergency phase of the pandemic, which is the most important part, that's predicated on the risk of hospital overflow. And most uh, municipalities have said 15% is the limit. We're far below that. Many hospitals are empty with no COVID cases. We're through the Omicron outbreak. Uh, So far, there appears to be Uh, No major pockets of susceptibility left. We have a slight uptick in cases right now, and we'll have to monitor it. But we have not been close to that 15% overrun in a very long time. In fact, uh, we hit that close to that uh, in January of 2021. So it's been more than a year right now. The emergency phase of the pandemic is, is over with. We can return to normal and then just treat remaining cases that we have left.
0: To your point there, doctor, when Omicron uh, first surfaced and was shown to be far less virulent than, uh, say, Delta, you were a cautious voice telling the American people that this could mean we were entering into uh, endemic, the winding down of the pandemic, if you will, uh, which does seem to be the case. Is this a message that we should have been hearing from public health officials at that time?
3: We should have definitely heard the message that it's milder. Uh, There can be uh, a rare senior citizen, or someone who gets progressively ill, we should have always messaged to them uh, about the efficacy of virucidal nasal washes with povidone iodine, hydrogen peroxide. Every American should know about that. Nutraceuticals and supplements, where to find monoclonal antibodies uh, when uh, a high-risk patient would need them. And and nowadays, we actually have uh, good drugs. We have the Pfizer-Paxavoid, of which uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is taking right now, or Molnupiravir. But, um, you know, I can tell you, we have... Uh, studies now, large studies of Omicron, where there's close to zero hospitalizations or deaths. It's essentially a common cold.
0: I have to ask you, with the possible uh, potential liberation of Twitter with the takeover by Elon Musk, uh, there was so much suppression from people like yourself in the medical community. What type of censorship, if any, have you or your colleagues experienced?
3: There was all kinds of... uh, acts going on, uh, you know, the most obvious ones would be somebody locked out of their Twitter account uh, for, you know, tweeting a summary of a, of a published manuscript, uh, a published manuscript which is available elsewhere on the internet, things like that, which were way over the line. But then there were actually more nefarious activities, such as Automatic unfollow programs, uh, so uh, s- uh, someone who's in a public figure would not develop followers. They would be automatically unfollowed. Uh, there were shadow banning operations that were going on. And uh, and then assigning of bots and other types of instruments to try to uh, ramp up false uh, narratives uh, surrounding that individual. Hopefully all that's cleaned up. Twitter's nothing more, nothing less than a common carrier. Uh, they can have uh, certain rules regarding Uh, Like federal trade, federal communications commission, like uh, uh, nudity and explicit uh, language and things like that. But uh, outside of that, they're a common carrier. They have no business blocking, uh, you know, a summary of a manuscript, a scientific manuscript, to the public. In fact, that is uh, itself uh, going to, you know, has led to uh, bad outcomes, and and I think should be called to justice.
0: Dr. Peter McCullough, thank you so much.
3: Thank
1: you.